Okay, inside you'll see an outline with the text that we were considering. And on the back page, you'll find scripture that I'm going to refer to. So that will be available for you as well to look at that when I come to those passages. I've entitled this sermon, Crosswords. Crosswords. Sometimes when we use words, other words immediately come into our minds. For instance, if someone says surgery, you think about hospital, pain, medicine, doctors, insurance companies, big bills. Or if someone talks about war, you think of soldiers and weapons and sorrow and, and so on and death. In this section of 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks of the cross of Jesus. And in doing so, other words come to his mind. We see this in this whole section of of chapter 5, verse 11 to 6, 2. Well, I would like to take the word crosswords, take the word cross, and use it as an acrostic to help us to remember these five important words that we have here that relate to the Lord's Supper so much and how important they are to us. The first thing I'd like you to notice in chapter 5, verses 11 through 13 is condemnation. That's what I'd like you to think of when you see the word see and the word cross. Think of condemnation. You can see how cross goes down the page and then across from it to the uh, to uh, horizontally, you see the word that I want to emphasize. Condemnation. It talks about, in verse 11, the terror of condemnation. Paul's response to the terror of the Lord, and he, explain, he explains why he is doing the things he does. It's because of condemnation. The whole world is under condemnation because of the fall of man. He says that there. He persuades men in verse 11. The terror of the Lord, he knows what judgment is. And he wants many, wants the people to respond to the gospel. And come to faith in the Lord Jesus. He also says in verse 12 that some have actually boasted in appearance and not in heart. So the terror of condemnation, the terror is what moves Paul. Also, the freedom from condemnation. The gospel is the only way that condemnation can be removed from anyone. The terror of the Lord. He didn't do this for money. He didn't do it for that. He did it because of sin. And he knew God is holy. A man is sinful. And Jesus is the only way for salvation. Look at verse, or Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 19, on the back of the page. On the page there, you'll see this. Listen to what John says. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. This is what we face. We live in a world where the light has come, but people are under bondage to sin. They're sinners. Their deeds are evil. And we have the message of reconciliation. We see 
the freedom from condemnation. The freedom. Gospel is the only way condemnation can be removed from anyone. The third thing I'd like you to notice is the response to condemnation in verse 13. You see this. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. The terror of the Lord. A side of God that people don't like to hear. But it's there. It's true. He does talk about that. And it's not always the nice thing that people want to hear and how they respond. The terror of the Lord. You see, some people treat the Bible like a smorgasbord. You know, you go and you take what you like and what you don't like, you let it, you just ignore it, just go away from it. And the terror of the Lord is one of those things that people reject and often turn away from. You notice he says in verse 13, be sound mind. He said, if we are of sound mind, it is for you. This sound mind, for you. It, it, and it, it, it talks about being beside ourselves. And that word means, in Greek, means to stand out, to be different, which is what we are in the world. Sound mind is a word which means salvation of the mind. That's the word that's used. Today, we remember that Jesus was condemned not for his sin. He had none, but for ours. And his table reminds us of that. It reminds us of what he has done for us. So the first letter I said in cross is condemnation. The second one I want to work, look at is the word R. And I think the word reconciliation fits there very well. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 12 says that, you know, there's none righteous, no, not one, none that seeks after God. We hear that, and that's true of mankind. And it's only the grace of our Lord. He reconciled us to himself. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. Look at that for a moment. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now the word propitiation means to turn away wrath. The Greek word means to turn away wrath. Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, we come to faith and believe in him, the wrath of God is turned away, and we're called children of God. We cry out, Abba, Father, tender Father, loving Father. That's because of reconciliation. So we see that in verse 18, the work of reconciliation. You said all things are of God who has given us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, the work of reconciliation, to make peace through our Lord, through Jesus he makes peace and he turns away God's wrath and we carry the message just like Paul as though God were pleading through us. But things don't often appear as they are, do they? We know people who are proclaiming that they believe the Bible and teach the Bible, but they are far from it. I remember hearing um, 
Joe Olstein on a Sunday or on a weeknight. And of course, he doesn't call himself a pastor. He calls himself a life coach, but that he's still doing the work of a pastor. But anyhow, they asked him clearly out front. And, they, and this was an interview on a major television station. What do you have to say about homosexuality? You know what his answer was? To all, to the whole world. Everybody was going to hear it. He had a perfect opportunity to say it. But he said this. It's not God's best. It's not God's best. You see, there are people that are, that are, are not presenting the truth. They're coming across in ways that are not true. There are many like that. They hold the Bible or carry a Bible and they don't teach it. They don't preach about reconciliation. But we see in verse 19, the result of reconciliation. Notice what it says. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And I believe the word world he's using there is the world of his elect. I believe that's what he is talking about there. The word reconcile, the word means uh, to change from an enemy to a friend. That's what he does. That's what our Lord does for us. We're, we're enemies of God. People are enemies of God. They need to understand that. They broke his law. They're under judgment. But that wrath can be turned away. Reconciliation. Um, the word imputing is a word which means reckoning. Speak to them, speaking to them, charging them. This passage shows us that the terror of God's judgment must not be isolated from the grace of God. If we're going to talk about judgment, we have to talk about grace and let people know that there is a God of grace and they too do have the opportunity to call upon his name. And without the grace of God, no one responds, but God has his people and he calls them. Third thing I'd like you to notice is the ministry of reconciliation in verse 20. Now then, we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled. God's people proclaim this message. It's the gospel of our Lord. A God who forgives the sins of those who come to him in repentance and faith. It's a ministry that we carry. The ministry of reconciliation. That's the important thing there. And Jesus turned away God's wrath. He propitiated sin. And we come and remember that today at the table of the Lord. As we come here, we remember. As I said, we cry out, Abba, Father, tender, loving, caring Father. But Jesus has done that. We remember that, the ministry of reconciliation. The first thing we saw was cross. Of course, Jesus went to the cross and paid our sins. And then reconciliation. The third thing I'd like you to notice is the letter O in cross. The word for that is obedience. When we think of the word cross, when we look at the word o, letter O, we can think of obedience. Now, we have the model of obedience here in verses 14 through 15, don't we? Jesus is our example of obedience. He compels us to follow his example, a pattern 
Now, we're no long, we are no longer to live for ourselves, but for him. We are to look at the death and resurrection of our Savior for motivation to live for him. That's what we are to do, to live for him. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 for a moment in the handout. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Listen how clearly this is. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's what he's done, the death of the cross. So we think of him and we look at him and by his grace, we, we want to say, Lord, we want to please you. And you know, I've always said that the commandments of God, before you become a Christian, they condemn you. But when you become a Christian, when you believe in the Lord, they become a way of you to, to thank God. You know, if we think, oh, just grace is so wonderful. I appreciate salvation. How do I thank God? Keep his commandments. You don't keep them perfectly, but they are to be a goal in your heart, in your mind. Verse 16, we see the, re the result of obedience. The love of Jesus, he motivates us because we've been freed from our sin. And that's an unbelievable thing. It's only, God can only do it. We can't give it to anyone. He has to do it. And he opened our eyes to understand the gospel and the good news. The focus is here is on the new life, the resurrected life, the change that has taken place. The change that has taken place. Remember it says, as we read, um, it says we are, we are um, in him, he himself knew no sin, but he took our sin. And that in Christ, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are new. And that doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means there is a change. If someone doesn't have a change of heart, then they need to question whether it was true. The result of obedience in verse 16. According to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we now know him that way no longer. He's the risen Lord, the risen Savior. The result of obedience. And then thirdly, the effect of obedience in verse 17. As I just said, it says in verse 17, there is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have becoming new. We were talking on the way over here about someone that made a profession of faith, but his profession of faith was, um, I don't want to go to hell. So, um, yeah, I accepted the Lord. I just don't want to go to hell. They had no idea of understanding sin. It just that he thought it was a fire escape policy. You do this and you're, everything is right. You continue to live like you are. Augustine once said that we as Christians have been freed we can live how we want to live, but then he goes on to say, but the question is, how do you want to live? If you don't want to live for the Lord, then it's not real. God is creating us newness of life. The effect of, dis of obedience, old things have passed away. As we come to the table of the Lord this evening, let's remember, Jesus has changed us. Now, we're not what we want to be, but we're not what we used to be. I was explaining to someone last week that as you be, grow in your Christianity, this person was 
talking about seeing more and more sin in her life. And I said, well, I said, as you grow, so when you're first converted, it's like the Lord puts a 25 light bulb, 25 watt light bulb, say in your attic, and you don't see a whole lot of dirt, you know, you just see a few things, so you get those out of the way. Then as you grow, he, he puts in a, a 40 watt light bulb. Ah, see more now, more things. And then it goes on to a brighter light bulb, and then a brighter. And then when you get to the end of your life, I think you're really saying there is nothing in me that's any good. It's only the righteousness of Jesus, my Savior. That's the way it is. The third, fourth thing I'd like you to notice is the letter S. The letter S for sin. The problem of sin you find in the beginning of verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's the problem. We are sinners. Jesus never sinned, but we, he had to suffer and die for his people. We'll never really understand the whole agony and all that our Savior went through on this side of eternity. I mean, he was man so that he could suffer and feel the wrath of God. And yet he was God, knowing that he was redeeming his sin for his people and have as God being able to, to continue on until the payment was made, completely made. A lot of people, when they're, when in those days of crucifixion, they would die when they were scourged. And that would be the end of it. But Jesus was able as God to, to, to hang on and to continue to feel the wrath of God. The problem of sin. We all have sin. It's a problem. For the Christian, we're never happy when we see our sin, when we acknowledge what has happened in times and different things. And, but we appreciate grace so much. We appreciate so much. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12 for a moment there. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus spread to all men, because all sin. There's no exception. Everyone. There's some people that think they're righteous because they're better than somebody else. And, you know, I'm not a murderer. I'm not, I don't do this kind of stuff. So, and somehow God's going to take the scales. And as long as I have more good than bad, then I get to heaven. But we have to understand one little violation of God's law. It could even be a thought. It could be a thought is enough to condemn us forever. Because God is so holy, so perfect, and so righteous. That's all it takes. The problem of sin, beginning of verse 21. Secondly, the payment for sin. Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is death. Remember that? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve the judgment and wrath of God forever. But here, what verse 21 says, Jesus took the sins of all who would ever believe in him and he suffered and died in that sinner's place. You see that in verse 21b. He knew, he knew no sin, but became sin for us. The payment for sin. You know, sometimes 
there's things that we would like to have, but we can't afford it. We look at something and the price is just too much. Well, the price of salvation was too much for anyone to earn. No one could earn it. It had to be through Jesus that we receive this forgiveness. We're all deserving of judgment and wrath. And then the third thing, notice the removal of sin in verse 21c. Notice it says that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can you, can you believe that when you really read it? That we could become the righteousness of God, sinners that we are, that we are actually righteous and have not only righteous, but the righteousness of God. That's amazing when you think about it. You would think that, okay, my sins are forgiven because Jesus died. But it's more than that. Jesus lived three years on this earth and kept God's law perfectly. And that righteousness is given to us, imputed to us when we believe so that our sins are washed away and we have his righteousness. And when, and when God looks at us positionally, he sees his people who have never sinned but have kept the law perfectly because of what he's done. Sin must be paid for. The removal of sin. Sin must be paid for. Just understand you're a sinner and you need salvation. And only Jesus is the way. You can never, as I said, fully understand Jesus' endurance and what he went through. But the cross reminds us. he, us. He gives us the table of the Lord. He reminds us that of what he has done. And he wants us to remember this, to do this in remembrance of him because we tend to forget he knows how we are. And we should never let that become just a common thing and forget to do it or ignore it. It's so important. And we remember that today. So the last letter is also an S. Also an S. And it is salvation. If I can get it here. You see this in chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. You see this. First of all, you see the great value of salvation. You see the great value of salvation. Notice what it says in verse 1. Then we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't just think it's a small thing. Don't take it and ignore it or act like you, it's just something you did, like adding something to your life, like being a member of a club or a golf club or a lodge or whatever. It's not like that. It's your life. It's our whole life. Our whole life is based upon what Jesus did for us. The day of grace is fastly slipping away. And the great day of judgment is drawing near every day, every hour. Once this life is over, we have no chance to change our destiny. Now is the day of salvation. We should never take a tugging of our heart to ignore or ignore a tugging of our heart for the glory of God. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. I have that in the handout. Salvation. Acts chapter 4, 12. For there is there 
nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, that's the basis of our Christian life, to live for God, but also to understand there's no other way for men, no other way for man to, to come to faith. There's no other way of forgiveness. There's only way. It's only salvation in Jesus. There's no other way. And so many people think there are other ways. It's very interesting that so many people create God in their minds. Well, I believe God is like this, or, or I believe I'm okay because of this, or I don't believe my God would, would punish someone for not being perfect. Uh, but they base it, it's all, it's all subjective. It's all in how they feel, all that they want. But it's not the truth. We have the value of salvation and we have reconciliation to give to the world. Great value of salvation. Secondly, the presence of salvation. The second, the second verse at the very beginning, for he says in an acceptable time, I have heard you. I have heard you. The Lord is offering salvation. I just said, whoever will call upon his name and believe in him for salvation. This is a quote from Isaiah 9, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8, that speaks of the Father giving his Son to his people. Then the urgency of salvation, the second part of verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day for people to get right with God. Wait no longer. Wait no longer. Admit your sin and the, you're under and acknowledge you're under God's wrath and you can't save yourself and call upon his name. And the word acceptable in the original language is very emphatic. It's the acceptable, the only one, the absolute best time. You and I are traveling faster than we think toward eternity. Soon you will People will be in heaven or hell where believers will be in heaven with the Lord. But today is the very best day, the absolute best time, because God's Spirit doesn't always strive with men. Jesus paid the price of sin. We remember that at his table. We remember what he has done for us. We can have peace. We have forgiveness of sin and peace that only God can give and we understand the gospel, and that's a gift from God. So, when you think of the word cross, remember the words that go with it. Condemnation, reconciliation, obedience, sin, and salvation. They're very important words, and the Apostle Paul touches on those words here in this section of Scripture. As we come to the table of the Lord, Let's reflect upon how important these verses and words are to us. It's by God's sovereign grace that he's changed us and his sovereign work of the Holy Spirit that converted us. Let's thank him for this wonderful grace that you and I don't deserve. We were his enemies and had little regard for his law and the gospel. We didn't really understand many things. It will be our greatest joy when we express our love to our Savior 
no longer at this table here on earth, no longer here, but in the presence of our God around his throne. Let us never forget the crosswords and let's reflect upon him as we come to his table today. Let's pray together. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for these words that we find in this section of scripture. Crosswords, words that relate to your glorious, wonderful, precious cross. Help us to remember them, for they are, they are the gospel. They're, they're the hope that we have. And we pray as we come to your table today that you will remind us of them. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.